tonight, and tonight we are talking about two different kinds of baptism. And, but before we, we dive in, I need to give you guys a heads up that um, because we're covering uh, two different kinds of baptisms, I kind of got a lot of information I'm going to be throwing at you. I'm going to be teaching tonight, so, um, but this I'm excited about tonight's sermon because this is life changing stuff I'm going to be talking about. But I want to ask you guys if you can just kind of lean in for me, give me your best attention, maybe move closer if you need to. You got some guys in the far back. So, you know, whatever it takes. Can you guys do that for me? You know, engage when I ask you stuff. Can you guys do that? All right, good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and pray and then we'll dive in. Well, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come right now, Lord God, and we just pray that, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, that your words would come forth clearly, and Lord God, that you would come and do what only you can do, and that you would change lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen. So <clears throat> the first type of baptism we're going to look at tonight is water baptism. I'm sh- this is a kind, uh, I'm sure most of you are familiar with, how many of you by show of hands have been water baptized? Let me see those hands. Awesome, awesome. It looks like it's almost everyone. Very cool. Well, the a Greek word for baptize is baptizo. Say baptizo. Baptizo. And that means to immerse. And full immersion in the water is the example that we have throughout the New Testament. And I mention this because the Catholic Church, as well as uh, several other denominations, too, practice something called infant baptism or christening, where they just kind of sprinkle the baby. And I mentioned that that is, uh, that's not really the biblical method because when someone was baptized, they were supposed to be following repentance of their sins and declaring their faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of their sins. And of course, an infant has no idea about any of that stuff. They, they can't understand that. And that was not the practice in the early days of the church. So, Uh, Let's go ahead and look at some verses uh, that give us the biblical basis for baptism. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So we see here that Jesus specifically commanded the apostles to baptize converts and to do it in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So to simply answer the question, why do we still do baptism today? It would just be because Jesus told us to. Jesus commands us to do it. So that's why we still do it. Um, and it's very clear uh, throughout the New Testament that when they baptize someone, they fully immerse them in the water because John the Baptist, when he baptized, and Jesus' disciples, where did they baptize people? The Jordan River. That's right. So uh, they went all the way down in the water. Uh, And here's another reference that I want to show you guys in the book of Acts. But uh, to show you this, I figured we'd have a little bit of fun. And I need two volunteers who want to feel like acting. Feel like acting, okay? I saw Deja and Camila. Come on up, ladies. Come on up. So the, uh, the, this was quite interesting in junior high, so I'm expecting Broadway level right here, all right? <laughs> so um, the scripture is up on the screen. You go ahead and put it up there for him. So I need one of you to be Philip and one of you to be the Ethiopian eunuch. So who wants to be who? Wait, what is this one to? You, you'll see. I'm going to coach you through it. You'll be Philip. All right, and you're the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, great. So you guys... 
Philip was witnessing to the Ethiopian eunuch. You're Philip, right? All right. So you guys are in a chariot, and you're riding along. So go ahead and pretend you're riding along in the chariot. You can face the audience. Let's do that. Yeah, yeah, great. Side by side. Chariot. You're riding along in a chariot. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Wonderful. All right. So just listen. Listen to what I'm saying. All right. As they went along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said... Can't read it? You can turn it. Look. No, that's what it says. <laughs> Excellent. And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, and he ordered the chariot to stop. <laughs> and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch. Go. <laughs> All right. And he baptized him. All right. So go ahead and dunk her real quick. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> All right, give it up for our volunteers, our actresses. <laughs> Oscar level right there, ladies. Oscar level. I love it. All right, so. <laughs> All right, so clearly, clearly, all right, we see the fact that it says they both went down into the water. Clearly, we're not talking about a puddle, right? And he didn't pour water over him. So it's very clear that this was a full immersion baptism. And this story, it also illustrates that uh, when someone was baptized, it happened very quickly after they got saved. Like Philip's witnessing to the eunuch, and he's like, oh, I believe, great, here's water, let's get baptized right now. In fact, most of the time in the New Testament, someone was baptized immediately after they got saved. So what that means for us is we really wanted to be fully biblical. What we should do whenever any of you guys raise your hands for salvation, which should take you right on up to the church's baptismal dunk you, send you home dripping wet. That's what we should do. But since we don't want your parents upset with us, we move a little bit slower than that. So now that we kind of know what baptism is, we got the biblical basis, what is this significance of baptism? Well, on your handout, it says baptism is an external symbol of an internal change. Let's say that together. Baptism is an external symbol of an internal change. So the moment that you and I are saved, we are immediately united with Christ. And we supernaturally share in his death, burial, and resurrection. And because we participated in that way in Christ's death, the old sinful nature no longer is our master. It no longer has control over our lives. And instead, Christ's life now lives through us. This is the internal change that baptism is the external symbol of. Let me show you how Paul talks about this in Romans 6. Now, this is a lot, so track with me here. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him 
in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So what is Paul talking about here? He is describing the internal change that happened the moment we got saved and we were born again. And then after we are saved, we're commanded by Jesus to be water baptized, which is the external symbol of that internal change. So let me show you uh, how this plays out with uh, some pictures real quick. So um, when we step into the baptismal, we are declaring our faith in Jesus and his gospel and our need for his forgiveness for our sins. And so when we enter the baptismal, that symbolizes our death with Christ. All right, then when we go under the water, that symbolizes being buried with Christ. And then when we come up out of the water, that symbolizes our resurrection with Christ, the new life that we have in Jesus. I love the shirt that she's wearing. It's so great. And so now we are walking in Jesus's life, in the new life we have in him. So, so baptism is a beautiful, it's a powerful symbol of the internal change that has happened in our lives and what God has done in our life. For, uh, for me, I was baptized when I was around seven years old, something like that, and I did that at my grandparents' church actually up in Virginia. And even now, I just remember uh, when I was baptized, I just felt so clean afterwards. And even though it is a symbol, it is still a very significant event in a Christian's life, and there is power in it. So let's talk for, uh, real, for a minute real briefly about getting rebaptized. Do any of you know if you were baptized as infants? Any? A couple of you guys. So um, that's a question that kind of comes up, you know, rebaptism. And you know, what if I was baptized as an infant since I was talking about how really it's more the biblical way to do it when you can understand the gospel? Should you be rebaptized? Well, um, I think it's a great idea to do that. You don't have to, but uh, it is, like I said, more so the biblical way. But now, what about if you were baptized as a child, you know, young, or even a teenager, and then you had a season where you drifted away from the Lord, where you backslid? Should you be rebaptized then? Well, the Bible, again, is not very clear on this, so I'm just going to give you my view, all right? This is Pastor Tony's view. I would say that if you truly understood the gospel, and then you had a season, though, where you, you drifted away, and now you're back and you're fully committed, I think you do not need to get rebaptized. That's, that's my view. But on the other hand, if you did not understand the gospel, you know, maybe you were too young, you were just doing it, maybe your parents wanted you to do it, or maybe you were doing it peer pressure, you, you know, a friend of yours got baptized, then I think it is a great idea for you to be rebaptized because you're making your faith your own and you're making that powerful declaration. So here at 5979, we offer baptism one time a year. You guys get one shot uh, with us, and that's at Youth-Led Weekend, which is at the end of October every year. And so that's coming up, not that far off. So if you are interested in getting baptized or rebaptized, here's what the process looks like. You listen to uh, Pastor John's one sermon, just a single sermon on water baptism. You read the handout that goes with it. And then you'll film a testimony video with Pastor Daniel, which will be shown when you get baptized. 
And then you get baptized at your parents' service, youth-led weekend. And if your parents don't go to Liberty, then we'll just plug you in any of the six services over the weekend. So we actually have a sign-up sheet out in the lobby if you guys are interested in that. So you can sign up on your way out tonight if you want to be baptized. We'd love to celebrate that with you this youth-led. So now we're going to go ahead and talk about the second type of baptism, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, remember we said that the word baptize means to immerse. And so being baptized in the Holy Spirit means that you are immersed in the Spirit. You know, uh, you are, the Holy Spirit is in you and you're inside the Spirit and he's just filling you and completely covering you. And uh, so that is kind of the idea behind that. So Let's go ahead and look at some scriptures about that. We're going to go to Acts 1. Uh, let me give you some context. You guys remember after Jesus rose from the dead, he was with the disciples for a period of 40 days, still teaching them before he ascended into heaven. And so in that context, um, this uh, happened. Let's go ahead and look at it. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, let's read the rest of the verse together, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. All right? So there's the promise. Jesus is teaching them, guys, you know, this is going to happen. So then he ascends into heaven. So now let's go ahead and jump over to Acts 2 and see the fulfillment of that promise. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were, let's read it together, filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So we see here the fulfillment of Jesus' promise that they would be baptized in the Spirit and that's exactly what happened to the disciples. Now, some of this right here that we just read in Acts 2 was a special event related to the first major outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see, you know, the sound of the rushing wind and the tongues of fire. That doesn't always happen when you receive the baptism of the Spirit today. But one thing that did happen there, which is they spoke in tongues, that still happens today. In fact, when you look throughout the rest of the book of Acts, we see most of the time when it mentions people being baptized in the Spirit, it mentions that they spoke in tongues. So let me give you one, just, just one example of that in Acts 19. We're going to do a little call and response here. So I'm going to be Paul, and you guys be the disciples that he's talking to. So while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. Oh, that was pretty good. Pretty good. All right. So, so Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? They replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that right there is referring to water baptism. So they believed, then immediately they were water baptized. So then going on, when Paul placed his hands on them, 
the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So we see here they were baptized in water and then they were baptized in the Spirit. And this shows that the typical way that someone receives the baptism of the Spirit is that someone who is already baptized in the Spirit lays their hands on them and prays for them to receive the Spirit, and then they do. And so, um, now a quick important note here, you can only receive the baptism of the Spirit if you are already saved, right? Only a Christian can receive the baptism. If you're not saved, that can't happen. Um, And when you are born again, the Holy Spirit immediately fills your spirit. That is called the indwelling of the Spirit. Say, indwelling of the Spirit. And that is what I talked about two weeks ago when I talked about how the Holy Spirit makes his home inside of you. He dwells inside of you. So that happens when? The moment you get saved. The moment you get saved, the Holy Spirit makes his home inside of you. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something separate from the indwelling of the Spirit. And Scripture makes that very clear. Now, it can't be reduced to a formula. The Holy Spirit and the baptism it can't be reduced to a formula because in Acts 10 we see Cornelius, Peter preaches the gospel to him, they believe, and boom, immediately the Holy Spirit comes and baptizes them and they begin speaking in tongues. But typically the way it happens is like this. So someone hears the gospel, they believe, then they get water baptized, then someone will lay their hands on them and they will receive the Holy Spirit. So that's, that's the typical way it happens, but the Holy Spirit can do what he wants because he's God, right? <laughs> so in that instance, and for other people, he came on them supernaturally the moment they, were, they believed as well. So all that being said, what is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So we see it's biblical. We know Jesus talked about it, but what's the big deal? Why, is, why, are we, why am I up here talking about it? Well, there's two purposes I want to share with you guys tonight. So the first one is empowerment for mission. That is the first purpose of the baptism of the Spirit. You can pop it up there for him. That'd be great. And so you guys remember that scripture we looked at in Acts when Jesus told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem. So, so let's stop and think about that for a second. So the, the disciples, they have been with Jesus for three to three and a half years. He's been teaching them. They've been walking with the Son of God himself. All right? Some serious Bible college boot camp right there. And then... They see the passion. They see Jesus crucified. He's dead. And then they see the resurrected Savior. All right? And so now they're walking with Jesus. He's teaching them for these 40 days. And then Jesus says, guys, you're not ready to go start preaching the gospel. You need to wait in Jerusalem until you receive the baptism of the Spirit. Now, you would think that they were ready. But Jesus says, no, no, no. You guys aren't ready. You need the baptism of the Spirit. Why? Because they had a mission. Their mission was to preach the gospel, to go out and to proclaim the truth. And they could not do that on their own. They needed the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, guess what, guys? You have a mission. And that mission is the same as theirs. Your mission is to be Jesus to every single person that you meet, to show his love, to show his character. And guess what? That's impossible. We cannot do that on our own. We need the Holy Spirit not only dwelling in us, but we need the special empowerment that comes through the baptism of the Spirit as well. So, um, and and that's what I talked about two weeks ago. Remember, I said one of the reasons the Holy Spirit's important is that He empowers us to live right. But 
like I said, when the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's a special empowerment that he gives us to help us to witness, to be bold, to share the gospel, to do these things. And the, the apostles needed that as well. So that's the first purpose of the baptism. The second purpose is prayer. As you're filling on your handout, prayer. Let's uh, look at Romans 8, and uh, this is on your handout. Let's read this together. In the same way, oh, you guys left me hanging. I know you were writing. All right, everyone got it written down? All right, let's read this together, everybody. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. That was a lot, so let me break it down a little bit. Have you guys ever had it, something just weigh like really heavy on your heart? Just like, almost like it was burdening you and weighing you down. Let me see those hands. You guys ever had that? Okay. Have you guys ever had it? where it was so heavy that you didn't even know what to say about it, and you didn't even really know how to pray to God about it. Have you guys ever had that? Let me see those hands. Okay, okay. That right there is the perfect example of why the baptism of the Spirit and the gift of tongues is so important and so precious in our lives, because this verse says that in those moments when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit is actually praying through you in that moment, and it says that He intercedes for us exactly according to God's will. So whatever you need in that situation, whatever God's will is in that situation, when you're praying in tongues, the Holy Spirit is praying that God's will will be done in that situation and in your life. That is, that is such an incredible blessing. And it also uh, talks about the groaning, all right? So let, let me kind of explain that for a second. That's a little weird, you know, at first glance when you look at it, like, what is this talking about? So when something is extremely, like, like extremely heavy on your heart, Sometimes when you get to that point, you don't even have the words like to pray anything at all, not even in tongues. And all you can really do is just groan in the spirit. That's what that's talking about. It's called travailing prayer. It's something that, you know, the church has been around in the church for, you know, ever since the beginning. Pastor John has taught about this. Um, I personally have never experienced it. I guess I just haven't had something that heavy on my heart before, but he has experienced it, and tons of other people have experienced it as well. So, but, so that's what that's talking about. But this verse is also talking about praying in tongues. So I want to just share my story with you guys. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was in youth group. I was, uh, I think I was in high school at some point, and uh, Pastor John, he preached a sermon in the main, and he said uh, at the end, if you were interested in uh, kind of going deeper and learning more to go through his series on the Holy Spirit. This is way back in the day before the app, before the lending library was free, and so they were actually selling the series uh, up front. And uh, my aunt was there, and I told her, hey, I really would like to go through this. Uh, Would you buy this for me? And so she did, and uh, I went through it. It was about, I think it was around 20 sermons uh, on the Holy Spirit, a series that he did. And after I went through it, I emailed him and said, Pastor John, would you meet with me? And pray for me to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And he said yes. And uh, Pastor Stefan was there as well. And they laid their hands on me. And they prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And I did. And it was life changing, guys. My life has never been the same. I have been addicted to being filled with the Spirit 
ever since. And there have been so many times in my life where uh, something was heavy on my heart, or I, I didn't quite know how to even pray over a situation. And I have the gift of tongues, and I'm able to pray and to intercede over that. And then there have been other times where um, I stepped out in boldness. That, that wasn't of me. You know, I would have been too timid. It's not in my personality to go up and pray for someone at, at KSU who has a broken leg, you know, and then they look at me all funny, you know. But because I had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I went and I did that. And I would witness and ask to pray for people who are complete strangers to me because the Holy Spirit, I had the baptism of the Spirit, and he gave me that boldness and that courage and the ability to witness and to speak to them that I wouldn't have had otherwise. And this past camp, I had the honor and privilege to pray for several of you to receive the baptism of the Spirit. And I absolutely love doing that because I know how much it has changed and impacted my life. And I know that it's going to do the same in your life as well.